Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. We're eventually going to get to um, Acts chapter 2 this morning, um, but I just want to share, Just I shared just a little bit earlier, there have been... So many people that are a part of our church that have lost their homes um, or lost everything in their home. And so many people that are a part of the, of the staff of Warner Christian Academy, the same thing, that have lost um, everything in their home um, or various things. And so many people are displaced. And it is such a hard, hard time uh, because our homes are where we can seek uh, peace and seek refuge and just... Um, get away and just relax and spend time with our family and our friends. And for so many people, that's been taken away. And that brings a heaviness in their life that is hard. And then with that, some of, some of the homes have been afflicted, uh, affected by flood water. Um, and then there's no flood insurance. And then they're dealing with insurance companies and adjusters and, and now FEMA. And, and there's so much that is going on that just brings such hardness um, that we as a body, we need to be cognizant of that. And we need to, as we'll see here in a couple of weeks in the book of Acts and the way that the church body took care of each other, we need to step up and do that for the people that are part of our, our church staff, our church body, as well as our school staff. Our hearts hurt for them and we want to, in these moments, help in whatever way the Lord provides for us to be able to provide for them. And so we have set up, I want you all to know, uh, we have set up a Hurricane Ian Relief Fund that will go towards helping people that are part of our church and people that are part of our church, school, and thrift store staff um, in any way that we can. So as the Lord provides for us, we are going to take all of those funds and then use them. We were not spared here at the church and the school and the thrift store uh, from damage. Uh, our, it looks as if our preschool, our preschool building is going to be offline uh, through at least December. Uh, there was a lot of water. You can see if you go down the street here, a lot of the preschools on the side of the street right now. Uh, and so our preschool classrooms have been relocated. Uh, they're in their children's ministry. They're in the balcony. They're, they've been moved all around um, the campus. So then that way we can still serve these families and still be able to minister to these families. Uh, our elementary buildings, both of those buildings upstairs and downstairs were affected by water that got into the building in whatever ways. And so um, our, um, our elementary classes are pretty much, there's a couple that have been relocated, um, but they're pretty much back in their classrooms, but their, their rooms look totally different. And a lot of them, there are no carpet. They're just on uh, concrete, and a lot of the ceiling tiles are down right now. And so there's a lot of damage even here on our campus. 
But I have to tell you, our church staff this week, our school administrative team um, with Miss Walton, Miss Braun, and Mr. Piliad, uh, and um, and our school staff. I mean, everybody just jumped in, and so many volunteers. Our elders were here. So many of you were here volunteering this week, and families from the school, and even people from the community. Everybody just jumped in and helped, and it was um, it was crazy watching everything get out of the school and into the gym, and then everything, or not everything, most things from the gym back into classrooms. And there were people that spent countless hours here on this campus. And then yesterday, going into yesterday, I was like, I don't know how we're going to be able to do all of this uh, so that we can have church and school on Monday. It was yesterday morning. It was overwhelming. And uh, when we got to the end of the day yesterday, uh, this is what our facility looks like. And uh, the school is back up and running. The preschool classrooms are all set up, and it's just been amazing to watch. Um, But as I was wrestling with this week, um, what to share with you this morning? Well, one, I wasn't planning to preach because Pastor Gary was supposed to preach last week. And so the natural thing to do would be just move it back. Uh, one week. Uh, he already has a message that the Lord laid on his heart, and he was going to focus on some scripture a little further down in Acts chapter 2, including what we're going to share this morning. Um, but as I was just going through this week, I kept coming back to what our theme is as a school and as a church of what we're actually studying and diving into the book of Acts. It's been rooted together. It's been awesome watching how God used a storm and circumstances uh, around the storm and other circumstances in our life, it's been awesome watching how God has brought about this rootedness in Him and togetherness with each one of us that we just couldn't have imagined or couldn't have even planned that out. Um, So whenever we were wrestling with this theme of what we wanted our year to study and what we wanted our our year to be a foundation of, We never could have imagined that this is where we would be on this day in October, but here we are, and we're rooted together in a stronger way than we were even a week and a half ago. The rootedness, if you remember, is our rootedness in Jesus Christ, because we start there. If we don't have that, then we don't have anything after that. But then there's this togetherness that we have to have, because as we've said for months now, God never created us to be alone. That wasn't his plan. He wanted us to be with other human beings, and he wanted us to actually be to him. That comes from rooted in him, and then a togetherness with each other. And so if you'll look at one verse in the book of Acts this morning, I want you to just see this one verse because it's blown me away this week as I have read this one verse countless, countless times. We know that we've looked at what's happened from Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, and then his ascension. And so he spent 40-ish days, and he appeared to countless people. And then in this time frame, he was preparing the disciples for the Holy Spirit that would come on the day of Pentecost. And so from the time of Jesus, uh, from the Passover, from the crucifixion, from the time that Jesus arose from the grave up until Jesus ascended for about 40 days, and then after that, about another 10 days. And so this is important because I want to point this out as we read this one passage of scripture. 
But in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, this is what just has blown me away this week. And this is what I want us to talk about for just a couple of minutes this morning. Acts 2, verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, whenever we read that, if you've been in the church for any length of time, just those few, few words, we immediately start thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming. And we get excited about that because that is our power. God desires for us to be filled with his spirit because that is the power that we have to operate in holiness and who God created us to be. So whenever we get to Acts chapter 2, we immediately start going to the arrival of the Holy Spirit. But here in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, there are some important words that we can't miss that are vital for us in this moment of everything that's going on all around us, some of the turmoil, some of the unsettledness and, and people in different houses and, and loss and all of that stuff. Here are some important words that we have to pause and slow down in reading verse 1 of chapter 2. And get this, whenever the day of Pentecost came, and this is it, they were all together in one place. Isn't that amazing? Like we could just read that and think, oh yeah, okay, that's what, that is what it is. But Jesus told them, before I ascend, or uh, before he ascended, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. The key words that Jesus said there was wait. I want you to wait. They did that. They get to Jerusalem. They get to the upper room, probably the place where Jesus had the Last Supper and he washed the disciples' feet. This was a room that they had used. They were probably familiar with this. They actually get there, and then there was 10 whole days that they had to wait. About the time that we have from this moment going backwards to when the, uh, the hurricane actually started arriving for us. About that period of time, about a week and a half, they waited. They were all together in one place. And this is what's important that we have to catch as believers in Jesus Christ. We have to be committed to being together. This is vital for us. Rooted together. Rooted in Him and together. So as I began thinking about this verse and all that took place Leading up to this verse, imagine what took place for 10 days. So you know what you have to do for 10 days. You know what a routine is for 10 days. You've got to get up. You've got to worry about food for the day. You've got to worry about uh, different things that take place. You've got to worry about clean clothes. You've got to worry about bathing. You've got to worry about where you're going. All of this stuff, they did it for 10 days over and over and over and over while they were waiting. In the waiting they were together. In the not sure what was going to take place, they were together. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come or had arrived, they were all together in one place. They were together. They were rooted together. They had taken Jesus' words and they said, this is what God has said. And so that's the only thing that we're going to do, despite not knowing how long it was going to be. Now, I've, I've said a number of times here and in being with you, I'm not a good waiter. I'm not like serving, not like, like a waiter at a restaurant serving. I'm not a good patient waiting person. And so there have been countless times that I've tried to help God out because sometimes God needs my help, <laughs> right? I, I, maybe not you, m me. I, I do that. 
Because God doesn't operate on my timetable. And I want things to hurry up. I like to mark things off. I like to have to-do lists and mark it off and then move on to the next thing and mark that off and move on to the next thing. But I've learned that God doesn't operate with my to-do list. And so I can only imagine what it was like had I been one of the people who were with the 120 or so that were gathered in this upper room just waiting on the promise of God, the Holy Spirit. Waking up every day and wondering, is this the day? Is what Jesus said actually going to happen on this day? He said, go, wait in this room for the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power, and then you're going to be my witnesses. I would have tried to figure out, how can I go ahead and be my witness part? Or how can I get the power that I need to do whatever it is that God wants me to do in that 10-day waiting period? But can you imagine thinking, okay, we finally got to this upper room. If you put yourself in this room with, with the disciples, with the apostles, and with the other 100 plus people that were there, they finally get to the upper room. They were obedient to everything that Jesus had said. They didn't miss it. They get to the upper room and they're waiting. Can you imagine what it was like waking up and then in every moment thinking, oh, is this it? Is this it? Is this what Jesus was talking? They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit was like. They didn't know what this power was going to be like. They didn't know what this infilling was going to be like. They didn't know what it was going to be like or how they were actually going to be witnessing to all of these people that were speaking all of these other languages that had gathered for the festival in Jerusalem. But they were waiting. I want to tell you, it is hard waiting on God. Oh, no amens there. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just hard for me waiting on God. It's hard waiting on God. But you know what? God is in no more of a hurry than he was five, 6,000 years ago than he is right now. God is working on his timetable, and we have to be just like those who had gathered in this upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit, listening to what Jesus has said and doing that until the next promise has been fulfilled, and then we move right on to the very next thing. Waiting on God is hard, and there are some of us here this morning that are waiting on God to open doors in our life. Or maybe you're waiting on God to answer a prayer or give direction or provide for you in some particular way. Maybe you're waiting on God to meet a need or to bring healing or to heal a relationship or to remove some type of pain. In these moments, whatever it is that you're waiting on God for, we have to acknowledge that the waiting is hard, but don't miss this, the waiting is vital. We can't miss what God is doing in us in the waiting moment. Because despite waiting, don't miss this, God is always at work. Right? There is never a moment or a second that goes by that God is not at work. God is doing billions of things in every single second, and we might not be aware of any of it, or we might be aware of only one or a few or a dozen of those things. In the waiting, God is always at work. 
But yet here the disciples were in Acts chapter 2, the apostles and the uh, uh, other hundred or so people that were gathered there. Here they were in the upper room and they were waiting. They were waiting for 10 days. I often wonder, why did it... Let me back up. I often wondered this last week and a half, why did it take 10 days? Why did it take 10 days? Why couldn't they have all got in the room, shut the door and said, okay, God, we did what you said, we're here, and boom, the Holy Spirit came. God could have done that. He could have done that. But you know what he was doing in those 10 days? Thinking about this festival that was going on. And then the, the, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the Weeks, and all of this stuff, and then, and then the Day of Pentecost. God was bringing all of these people to Jerusalem, and there had to be a period of time so that everybody else was ready of what he was going to be doing in the body so that they would be able to hear the gospel. And then we see next thousands of people, about 3,000 people, the scripture tell us, actually give their life to Jesus. Why? Because this group of 120 or so actually waited on God. Now, had we operated in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on Michael Chambliss's time frame, I may have gotten ahead and said, okay, guys, listen, all of these people are coming to town. We can't wait Till everybody gets here, otherwise we won't be able to tell everybody in their own language. What we're going to have to do is go out and get some interpreters for us so that we'll be able to speak the language in everybody else's language, and or these interpreters will be able to share in everybody else's language everything that we've actually seen about Jesus. And listen, that would not have been bad. These were the people that saw Jesus perform miracles. These were the people that actually saw Lazarus get up out of the tomb after being dead for days and come back to life. They saw blind people healed. They saw the lame get up and walk again. They saw Jesus crucified, put in a tomb, come back to life, and appear to them for about 40 days. Who wouldn't want to go out and tell all of that? But Jesus said, wait. Wait. Don't miss this. I've said it three times and I want to tell you a fourth. If you are waiting, you need to know that God is at work in the waiting and you can't miss it. You can't miss it because it's oftentimes I've experienced in the waiting, God is getting me ready for what he has for me in the future. And if I were to go right now, into what God wants for me in the future, I wouldn't be ready. I wouldn't be prepared. We have to learn the lesson from the 120 or so that's gathered here. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. They were waiting. The waiting is important. And so I found something this week from Focus on the Family. It's just four things, and I love this, and I couldn't have said it any better, and I want you to get this this morning. They actually took the word wait, of which I'm not actually good at, and they wrote it with the letters down the side, and then they wrote out acronym. My mind's gone blank. This is an acronym, yeah. That's why God gave me Melissa, because I can't sometimes in these moments remember this. They made this an acronym from Focus on the Family that I want you to remember, and I could not have said this any better. 
What is it that you do in the waiting? If waiting is important, we need to figure out, well, what, how do you wait? They that wait on the Lord, what? Will renew their strength. Well, if waiting is important, and if in the waiting we're able to renew our strength, then we need to figure out how do we wait. If waiting was important for these 10 days, for the arrival of the Holy Spirit, I wish that Luke had given us a little more insight here of what it was they were doing whenever they waited. But they didn't. But there are other clues in Scripture in how to wait on the Lord. And Focus on the Family has given us this acronym for wait. The first thing is write it down. I say this all the time. All the time I say, write down the things that the Lord has said to you. Why? Because if you're like me, you are often forgetful. And if you don't write down the things that God says, then you may forget the lesson that the Lord taught you. And if that's the case, then you have to go backwards and go through that again. But in the writing down, you remind yourself the things that the Lord has impressed on you so that you've got it and you'll go back to that. It's been so joyful for me, despite the hard this last week and a half, to go back and go through my journal and see some of the things that the Lord has spoken to me that in those moments I was like, okay, I've just got this, but now it's been vital so that I am able to then operate and say, oh yeah, this is what the Lord said, this is what we now have to do. It's in the waiting that we often get disoriented because we want God to show up in a very bold, powerful way and get us through that moment. But the truth of the matter is, if you will have written down some of your journey with the Lord and the things He's impressed upon you and the scriptures that have been um, important in moments, when you go back through your journal, there you will find the strength and sometimes direction and answers and next steps to get you through this moment of waiting. So in waiting, you have to write down what the Lord has said to you. Even in the non-waiting moments, you've got to make record of that so then that way it'll give you some strength and direction actually moving forward. So write it down. Waiting is always the season to listen and learn from God. Sometimes in the waiting, we don't have the fast-paced, hurry-up-and-go mindset, and so it's easier to listen in the waiting sometimes than it is in the actual doing part. So in the waiting moments, it's a listen-and-learn moment, and these are the things that you have to actually write down. Let me give you a scripture from the book of Numbers, chapter 33. I found this verse this week. This is in the New Living Translation, which is a little different that I, like to, that I usually read, but I love this. In Numbers 32.3, it says, at the Lord's direction, wow, God told Moses to do something that was vital. Moses kept a written record of their progress. Moses was journaling. Moses was writing things down. He kept a written record of their progress. Do you know what one of the greatest gifts you can give um, those who come after you, your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, and the rest of your family, and other believers around you? A written record of your progress, your journey with the Lord. So if you're waiting and you're struggling this morning with God to actually answer a prayer or figure out what the next step is or whatever that might be for you, write it down so that in the days ahead, years ahead, decades ahead, 
God will take you back to that and remind you, make a written record like Moses did so that you can actually see your actual progress. The next is act in faith. This is as if you've already received it. Actually act in faith. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Do you see the change in tense here in this actual sentence? Believe that you have received it and then there's a future and it will be, or present and then future as well because you're possessing it, and it will be yours. Do you see what's taking place here in Jesus' words to his disciples? He said, ask for it in prayer, believe it, and then it will be yours. And so you actually have to act in faith. You have to put your faith into action. And the way that we actually best, I think, see this is whenever there is an expectant mother, when there is a woman who is expecting a baby, she doesn't sit around for nine months doing nothing, right? What does an expectant mother do? She gets everything ready for the arrival of the baby that is to come. It's not nine months of doing nothing. It's nine months of preparation for what is actually been promised inside. And so in the waiting of this nine month, the expectant mother is actually making preparation. You know what she's doing? She's acting in faith as if she has already received it. Whenever we were first expecting Lucy, we had a, a three-bedroom house, and at this moment, it was just me and Melissa, and we had more room than we could have ever imagined that we would ever need as a family. We had closet space. We had two extra bedrooms, and one of the extra bedrooms was an office for me, and I had all of my lighthouse stuff and all of this other stuff in the office. But whenever it was time for Lucy to come, and that nine-month period, we had to make preparation for Lucy's arrival. We didn't stop or we didn't do nothing in that nine-month period. We actually prepared. So what that meant is all of my lighthouse stuff went in boxes and it went actually into the garage or it came to, to my office at church. And so we made preparation. There was painting. There were decorations. There was get rid of the furniture that was there and take it out and put in baby furniture because we knew that Lucy could not sleep on the bed that was in there. We had to prepare. We had to act in faith that we were actually going to be having a baby. And in the waiting period for us, you have to make preparation for that which you have prayed about with God. You can't just do nothing and then expect everything to change, you have to prepare for that which you have prayed for. And so waiting is not just running around saying, woe is me, I don't have God working in my life right now. We make preparation for what it is to come that we have been praying about. And so waiting, you have to actually do a little bit of work. Waiting is not being passive Waiting is doing all you can to get ready for what you've had conversations with the Lord about. And these are the conversations that you actually write down. You write it down, and then you act in faith. You write it down and sense what the Lord is saying, and then you put that actually into action. So write it down, you act in faith, and then next you have to imitate the habits 
to grow a strong faith. Imitate the habits that grow a strong faith. And this is what I was talking about whenever, whenever um, I said I wish Luke had given us a little bit of more insight here of what the disciples did, the apostles did, and then these other hundred and, uh, hundred, over 100 people actually did in this 10-day period. I wish that we could see what their habits were in this time, but I, I, I would venture to say that I bet that they were having conversation of what they had seen and then the 11 are actually saying, hey, this is what Jesus said. And then he disappeared. And then these two guys actually came back and said, why are you looking up into the sky? I bet there was lots of conversation that were taking place. And I bet they went back into the scriptures and they were reading from the prophets. They were reading from the Psalms. They were reading this wisdom and this truth that they actually needed. And these are the habits that we actually need to grow a strong faith. God uses waiting to grow a strong faith because if he just gave us whatever it was we wanted or whatever we prayed for, it would truly be a weak faith. And you see this sometimes in people that have an abundance of material possessions who then just provide for their kid and give their kids whatever it is the kids want without any hardship or without any struggle. If God just gave us everything, it would be a weak faith. And then he would be just like a Santa Claus God that we said, hey, this is what I want. And then it made it, he made it happen. That's not a strong faith. That is a very self-centered faith. And so in the waiting moments, God always uses that to build a strong faith. And the way that we get there is to imitate the habits that are actually necessary. So let me give you a couple of scriptures that can actually help with that. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. We do not want you to become lazy. So don't miss that part. Because oftentimes in waiting, we just say, well, I'm just waiting. I'm just lazy. I'm just looking around. Kind of like if you're looking for a job. Well, I can't work. I'm just looking for a job. Well, no, do something. Make preparation. What is your life going to look like when you finally get a job? And then order your life around that. Paul, uh, Peter says, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate. Here's this I, imitate. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And this is why it's vital for us to be rooted together in studying the book of Acts. Because here the early church actually lays out for us some very important things that we need to operate in the power and understanding of the Holy Spirit that's vital for us today. And then Philippians 4.9, Paul says, keep on putting into practice all that you learned from me and heard from me and saw me actually doing. This is imitating Paul said, I want you, Philippian believers, to keep on doing this over and over and over. I, I have taught you. I've shown you. I've demonstrated this. And so don't do nothing. In the waiting, we've got to come back to the scriptures, figure out what our early believers um, actually have done, and then actually put that into practice. Waiting is not a time for us to push hold and then do actually nothing. We have to keep praying. We have to keep serving. We have to keep being a part of our community group. We have to keep sowing. We have to keep on believing. We have to stay active and not just do nothing. God wants us to write it down, I believe. 
Act in faith as if it has already been given, that season of preparation, and then imitate the habits that we actually find in the early believers. We've got to do all of this in the season of waiting. And the last thing this morning that Focus on the Family says, and I love this part because it is a great reminder for all of us, trust God instead of panicking. Isn't that awesome? Trust God instead of panicking. Whenever things get turned upside down in our life, whenever we lose houses, possessions, family members, it's easy to panic. It's easy to say, I don't know what it is I'm going to do right now. And that's easier said than done to get past those moments. But I've learned that there are no surprises to God. And if there are no surprises to God, then it is true that God is always at work. And it's in crisis moments and in waiting moments, if we don't panic and if we trust God, then we will receive an amazing victory in every area of our life. So my charge to you this morning is to take this WAIT acronym from Focus on the Family and then just live it out. Some days, you need to turn it upside down and start with a T and say, God, right now my default is to panic. I don't know what to do. But say these words, I trust you. I trust you. And sometimes I think it's vital that we actually say those words. And so that's why I said, actually say these words. Because what that does is it not only reminds yourself, but it reminds the enemy that I'm not going to listen to the junk and the lies that you're saying right now. I have a God, and he is at work in my life. And I might be waiting, but I'm not going to panic. I'm just going to trust God. This is a time for us, Whitechapel Church, to declare, I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to panic. There may be some monstrous bills that I don't know how are going to get paid. There may be some mountains in front of me that I don't know how the mountains are going to move. I don't know if I'm going to go over, under, around. I don't know any of that. But we can't panic. We have to declare we are going to trust God in every area of our lives. We know that God's not in a hurry. But we also know that God is never late. And that's why we can trust God because he's at work and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.